wasn't going to sing on this. Oh, well, Andrea just belted out in the song. Um, Maybe. She did, and I was like, I'm not recording it. So you don't this have was proof because like you break. didn't record it. No, I know. I didn't, but they can feel it lingering in the air. Can they? The remnants of a half a lyric that you just like belted up for no reason into my closet. I don't know. Sometimes when we uh, sing to it, it treats us well and gives us favors. I'm a superstar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Well, I mean... Famous for how badly way. I sing. <laughs> That's actually welcome, really funny. World. I wonder if there is, like, the equivalent of a Razzie Award for, like, singers. Like, you know how the Razzies there should are, be. like... Yeah. Because uh, I would win it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And I, you could take it well. I could sometimes sing karaoke I can do yeah and I actually do it well but when I'm just like <laughs> singing random songs in your closet it doesn't well, you're not bothering it's not as good no I mean you're not like, I know. Really aiming to sound good I never yet. try anymore I don't like it no. I like how bad I sound when I don't try so. yeah remember when mom used to do it in the kitchen she just like suddenly sing opera yes oh she over sang she, yeah. yeah she did it was like overacting but with singing yeah, and that's kind of what she does. That's like her calling card with everything. It is. I think she's I think just an she overactor. Didn't realize it, but yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, I don't know. I don't. We I can't. We both grew up with that. Yeah, we both grew up with that happening. <laughs> yeah. I, I just started taking. I can't it even as describe granted. it. I'm so yeah. La 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 la. And she would do that extra that, like except high pitched. Like yeah. she always did the extra huh, like, and I'm like, yeah. no, 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 no. Real singers don't do that every single line. No. Just the occasional like. Like line in the song, line, yeah, which, exactly. But she just yeah. did it for all of the lines, so yeah, it just sounded like overacting singing. Yeah, and she wasn't <laughs> trying either, though. She would just do this, like it just became like a part of the background noise of the house. Yeah, like oh yeah, it did. It was normal. Speaking of the Razzies, actually, um, you know how they're just kind of given to people, right? Like actors in like bad movies. Halle Berry was um given one when like for Catwoman I believe mm -hmm. because that movie wasn't great she did what she could with it in my opinion yeah the I movie think so. was what it was it was bad yeah it was bad but she was like one of the rare actors to actually accept the Razzie in person go there that's awesome and give like this gracious speech and she was so cute and funny I would yeah. totally have done that too yeah like take it whatever well, right yeah <laughs> I would be like uh this is the only award I've won so this is great <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, I think that and I won silver at the science fair once. Yeah, I've Yay. won those sort of awards too, but you only yeah. just get like a ribbon or something. Yeah, you get like a medal if you got silver. Otherwise, you get like this participation medal and that's just like mm -hmm. worse than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah. So, so today we have some emails to start But we start also off have with. fears. Yes, we do have fears. Because we're scared. We emails or fears? Fears first. Fears first. All right. Yeah, we are scared. That's often. The only <laughs> thing to fear is us ourselves. Yeah, we're scared of ourselves. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you about too. mine, but it's not It's not my fear. It's my cat's fear. You appropriated a fear. I did. That's unfair. I have to. Uh, All right. Go Muffin for it. can't speak for herself. Muffin. Muffin. Muffin is afraid of the intro music to every single show. Every single show? Every um it started with elementary. Okay. She's really afraid of that intro. She will run out of the room. Man, she just does during not that like intro that show. Music. I, yeah. But and I, I like at first that was it. But then I yeah. was like watching a different show. I think it was Grey's Anatomy. 
Right. And she ran out during that intro because now she's afraid of all of the intros to the shows. Are any, like, I haven't watched either of those shows. So are either of those intros even alarming? Ele- elementary like, one is a bit intense. Okay. So I can see why she's more afraid of that one. But the Grey's Anatomy one is not. Is It It, it seems like it would be, like, closer, like, low tempo, like, Bones It's very intro. low. Yeah, it's just, yeah. like, a regular, I don't know. Yeah. It's a calm song. It's not. Yeah, scary. Yeah, because it's a doctor show. I don't know. Even yeah. the house intro is she chill. She just hates it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. You should play the house intro and see how she reacts. Yeah, because like that one's not even like she's just really. Scared she wasn't of afraid now. of the house intro. She only started being afraid of intros when she started like being afraid of the elementary intro. Elementary, you ruined my sister's cat. Yes, she's terrified now who will take responsibility for this crime <laughs> yeah <laughs> step forward um for my fear geez uh hmm you know i never seem to be as fearful as oh i'm afraid of uh well god i can't choose that again <laughs> it's always my body failing and i was gonna pick something specific this time but yeah sometimes when i drink water in the morning and this is like for all of you out here who are like i definitely want to know what happens when ren drinks water in the morning (laughs) i drink it we are all dying to know yeah no they're like this is the most exciting thing i've heard in my entire life but um so what happens is i get this like horrific like intense pain in my stomach that echoes up through my jaw but it's like you know, the way that, like, acid reflux would be, but it's really sudden. Mm-hmm. It's when I swallow anything, like, whether that's beer, but also, you know, water, whatever, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Whatever it is. And it just, like, is, like, almost blindingly painful and then dissipates after, like, two minutes or one minute. Weird. Yeah, so I'm wondering if it's, like, something to do with, like, GERD. But I'm afraid of it. it. What I'm afraid like is GERD. an ulcer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, afraid yeah, of an you... ulcer. I could see that. Yeah. But it doesn't sound exactly like an ulcer. No, they usually always hurt. Yeah, they usually <laughs> always hurt, and it's usually mostly belly pain. It doesn't usually shoot up. Like, it's... Yeah, like, it really sounds in like, the belly, but sh- it goes all the way. Yeah, it sounds like acid reflux, like but it sudden. sounds like chronic one, like GERD. Yeah, it's just weird that, it, like, happens in the morning suddenly and then, like, goes away. Like, it's just a sudden spike of pain. So I'm afraid of that agony in the morning of agony in the morning especially in the morning i can take agony most times but in the morning mm-hmm. i'm kind of like i'm already uncomfortable i hate I this know, like, mornings this are rough fair. anyway yeah they're garbage for me i wake up feeling like shit i don't think i ever sleep so that's something you guys can be afraid of <laughs> ren never sleeps and ren will never... tell you that's about creepy. his drinking water habit yeah <laughs> All right, do the emails. It is creepy, but you know, we're a horror podcast, so I'm allowed. All right, so <laughs> we've got some creepy emails. All right, so a listener uh, sent in this email. It says, hey there, um, listener, insert their name here. I thought I'd recanted all the ghost stories I knew, but I was watching ghost videos on YouTube, and I recalled one from my childhood again, so I thought I would share. This was when we lived in Dunedin, in Queen Street. Well, there was a funeral parlor on the main road, which led to some other shops, like the local, like, Woolworths and McDonald's, and I think if you kept driving, it would take you all the way into the core of the city. Anyway, one day we were in the car, as usual, driving somewhere, and there was a crossing going across the street outside the funeral home, which was on the left-hand side of the road. We drove past that funeral home all the time. So, Mum was driving, and me and my brother and sister were all in the car, and when we drove through that crossing, it was like we just hit something. 
the entire car in one instant misted every window with thick white fog as though we had hit a mist bomb. It had never happened before and never happened since. And mom said, I think we just drove through somebody. And we laughed. We were all a bit freaked out by it, but we joked around too. The mist gradually uh, dissipated as mom drove slowly and used the car's like air conditioner to try and clear all the windows. Um, Was a ghost crossing the zebra crossing? You know, like white stripes going across the road Mm -hmm. at the time and we drove straight through them? I really think so. Sucks to be that ghost, lol. (laughs) Is what she she typed, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So... Uh, she also said, I always wonder if he was angry that we drove through him. Anyway, just another little short scary story from my past. I hope to have more scary content to share in the future. Good. I mean, that's a good way of looking at the yeah. terrible things that happen to you in life. It's like, well, it's at least like, I can oh, share this on podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we've got another one, too. Okay. Yeah. So this one's a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is from Ducks in My Books and uh, of another listener. And once again... Yeah, so this has to do with their family story. I guess if you guys have listened Mm -hmm. to our other episodes, they have a cursed family. So once again, another strange family story. As I said before, uh, my family has a lot of hexes on it, like sickness, etc. Well, here is an unfortunate uh, story. One of my mother's cousins was walking into her grandfather's house when suddenly she felt sick and felt a strong pain in her arms. She looked at them and they started to retaliate, like to retreat back into her like a turtle sticking its head back inside the shell. It turns out that under the house was an old magic relic that was supposed to be used on my grandfather. And it was stated that she, like, I think the family stated that she deserved it because she was gay. It kind of shakes me when I think about it too much. Yeah. Wow. Weird. So, the other family members like, well, you deserve to have that relic hurt your arm because you're gay. <laughs> what? And did the magic relic that just know? They're like, fitting. this is a gay footstep I hear in that house. Yeah, it's That's just like, I'm going to make her arms, arms retreat into her body. Like, feel like that, that's yeah. That's a weird like the thing. pain feeling. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's weird. I would have been nervous more about, like, a heart attack. <laughs> I, yeah, but it... Pain in the arms. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's interesting that there was an old magic relic hanging out down there. Hmm. Man, what's yeah. going on with your family? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, ducks in my books. Yeah, you've got a wild family history. That's yeah. cool. All right. All right, so I have a case. Yeah, Andrew's going first this, this time. This is one I've thought about for a while. Because I thought it was really interesting. And so I'm doing it. There we go. (laughs) You're allowed. (laughs) So it's the Parker Holm murder case, or what I like to call the Ann Perry murder case. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, the story is about Pauline Parker and Juliet Holm. And I think they were like 15 and 16 when this happened, but I forgot to write down their ages. Good. Good research, Andrea. You did it. Thank you. I did it. You get the Razzie for podcast research. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really good. Um... So Pauline came from a working class background and Juliet was the daughter of Henry Holm, who was a physicist who, and he was a rector at the University of Canterbury in Christchurch, New Zealand. Oh, okay. So he was probably doing well. Yeah. So he was well off and then Pauline's family was working class. Yeah. As children, Pauline had osteomyelitis and Juliet had tuberculosis. Oh, geez. Juliet was regularly sent by her parents to the Bahamas and to South Africa to recuperate. Right. Um... Juliet was born in England and arrived with her parents in New Zealand in 1948. Ah. 
And Juliet and Pauline met at the Christchurch Girls High School, and they bonded over their medical conditions because they were both sick. Oh, gosh. That's how I make friends, too. I'm like, yeah, you bond over crappy shit. We both have a laundry list of mental illnesses. Good. Yeah. 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 I like you because you're crazy, too. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, They later became friends, and they formed an elaborate fantasy life together. They would write plays and books centered in this world, and they just were kind of, yeah. I mean, it became... Like their thing, like they had this fantasy world that yeah. they like wrote stories about together and they were really involved with it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, they were pretty much obsessed with one another. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and Juliet would become really withdrawn and ill when Pauline would leave. Oh, geez. That's weird. Isn't it? Like psychosomatic. That's really intense. Yeah. Uh, Pauline's parents were concerned that the girls were too close and that it might be a sexual relationship. And back then, homosexuality was considered a mental illness. It was also just hated by people. 1948 exactly. was not a good year for homosexuals. No, it wasn't. Uh, the homes were also concerned, but they still allowed the girls to see each other. And uh, Pauline was accepted at the home home for overnights and vacations and stuff, right? Because the homes were yeah, uh, more wealthy. And so, like, Pauline would go with them on vacation. Okay. Um, but in 1953, for summer holidays, Pauline wasn't invited to go on vacation that time. Right. So it's because like the parents, the parents were, were like becoming... Cold to her? Like, a, just a or little bit. distance. Yeah, yeah. A little bit. Uh, in 1954, Juliet's parents separated... There was problems with the faculty and the school board, and it forced her father to resign. To resign. Shit. I can't speak. That's fine. And then her mother was also having an affair. Oh, shit. Yeah. So they, the family was like, Kayla, we're going to go back to England, but Juliet was going to go be sent to live in South Africa with relatives for right. her health, presumably. Right. Although I think they were just trying to get her really far away from... From Pauline. Pauline, maybe, yeah. Yeah, they're just trying to get them, like, away from each other. Yeah. I mean, this doesn't seem... That bad. Yeah, I mean, mean, like, it's... uh, It's kind of mean. It is. Like, I get it, though. Like, if they're, like, obsessed and it's, like, fucking up their health. Yeah. Uh, The girls were heartbroken over the thought of, like, their separation. Right. Um... And they were like, okay, well, maybe, like, between the two of them, they decided Pauline could go to South Africa with Juliet. And supposedly Juliet's parents were okay with the idea, but it was unlikely Mm. that they'd actually have allowed it to happen. Right. And Pauline was sure her mother, Honora. Honora? Honora? Is that how you pronounce it? Maybe. It sounds like a religious name. I'm going to say Honora. I've seen it and I've heard it. And, but that was a long time ago, so I forgot. I have never seen it nor heard it before Honora. now because that's so weird. I'm guessing it's like an old religious name. Yeah. Or something. Something family name? I don't know. So her mother, Honora, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't let her go. Like, uh, Pauline was sure that she wouldn't let her go. Right. Um, She never actually asked her. Well. But she was pretty sure. That's not good. <laughs> I know. I mean, she's probably right, but who knows, But right? she was probably right because Honora didn't like their relationship and no. she was really strict with Pauline, so it's Unlikely, yeah. she would have been like, "Yeah, sure, go off to South Africa with this, with this girl, girl that, that I don't like with. that you yeah. are hanging out with." Yeah. Um. So the girl, girl, the girls, <laughs> the girls <laughs> formed a plan to murder Pauline's mother, Honora, and flee to South Africa, and then they would go to Hollywood or New York. That sounds very, very like, teenage. Yeah, yeah, that's very, very, teenage-y. very starry. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll just commit a small murder and then we'll live in a Hollywood and, then and it'll we'll be great. Flee and have this awesome. And we'll never movie regret stars. anything. Never ever. Nope. Uh, on June 22nd, 1954, Uh-oh. the body of Honora Reaper, 
Her last name is Reaper. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. <laughs> what happened is Yikes. basically – so she was going by Honora Reaper because her husband's last name is Reaper and yeah. um, Pauline was also going by Pauline Reaper. But then during the trial, it was discovered that Honora and her husband were never actually married. Oh. So then they started calling them Honora Parker and Pauline Parker. So just to oh, explain that. That makes sense. That makes sense. So okay. June 22nd, 1954, the body of Honora was discovered in Victoria Park. Oh. Um, she had gone for a walk with her daughter, Pauline, and her daughter, Pauline's best friend, Juliet. Oh, 130 meters down the path in a wooded area of the park near a small wooden bridge, uh, the two girls bludgeoned Honora with half of a brick enclosed in an old stocking. Oh, my gosh. And then they fled, Whoa. covered in blood, back to the tea kiosk where they had eaten only minutes before. What the and they were met by the owners of the tea shop, Agnes and Kenneth Ritchie, who they told um, Honor I had fallen and hit, and hit her head. Hit and. What is going on with I your mouth know. today? I don't know. It's got Fix a mind it. of its own. <laughs> yeah. uh, they it's told okay. Honor I, they, they said that Honor I had fallen and hit her head. Yeah, there we go. so they made up that story. <laughs> I made a whole sentence there. You did it. Thank you. Okay, maybe I'm taking that Razzie back. <laughs> Never mind. No, I want it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you just did something impressive there, what can I say? I so, like, that's really fucking brutal. I know. They put half a Ugh. brick in a stocking. And then bludgeoned her. Like, that takes I could not. anger. Yeah, I mean, that takes effort and anger, because, like, that's not and, like, as quick hatred. as, like... Yeah, like, which is weird. Yeah, it's not fast. I mean, I assume that they just also didn't have access to, like, a gun. How about a knife, right? That seems like something that someone would do more like impulsively and then be able to regret it but with like the stocking you have to keep raising it and keep bringing it down and know how to swing it and it's like you'd think sometime during that process you'd be like shit what the fuck am i doing to my mother yeah um the body was found by kenneth which was one of the owners yeah of the tea Um, shop she had major lacerations around her head neck and face and minor injuries to her fingers and of course the police quickly found the murder weapon they didn't get rid of it? They just threw it into the woods. <sighs> it was probably close by. It's ridiculous. The well, trial was yeah. really sensational because people were speculating about their lesbianism and insanity. Yeah, of course. And they were probably, it sounds a little insane. Um, <laughs> yeah, they might have been into each other too, but it sounds like it. I mean, most gay people are not obsessive and murderous. Yeah. That's actually more of a straight person obsession thing. Uh, they were convicted on August 28, 1954. They were too young for the death penalty. Lucky. And they ended up spending five years in prison what? each. What? Um, there was like this theory that they were only released on the condition that they would never contact each other again. But then someone said that wasn't true. But well, Yeah, how would you keep track, right? I Yeah. In the, you wouldn't be able to watch. Time. I don't know. I mean, like... Yeah, they didn't yeah. have devices for that in the 50s. So no. Like, uh, they wouldn't know. Um, after her release, Juliet spent time in England and the United States, and then she later settled in England and became a successful historical detective novelist under the new name Anne Perry. Yeah, so if you're into Anne Perry's books, now you know. She's a killer. Well, I mean, she probably does regret this, I hope. Yeah, just, I don't know, it's right? It's a horrible thing. I it really is feel horrible. for that mother. I do, too. I mean, it doesn't sound like she was a fantastic person, but she didn't she might have bludgeoned okay, to death. I mean, yeah. she went for a walk with them, so she was obviously not, she like, forbidding horrific. them from spending time together. Yeah, even if she had, though, like, you know, no one deserves to be bludgeoned to death mm-hmm. with a brick. Like, 
Yikes. Yeah. So she's been Mormon since 1968, and oh. it was discovered that Ann Perry was Juliet Holm in 1994. Right. And in 2006, she did release a statement saying that they hadn't been lesbians, but that the friendship had been really mm-hmm. weirdly obsessive. Yeah. Um, Pauline, after she got out, she spent some time in New Zealand under close surveillance before being allowed to leave for England. Since 1997, she's been living in a small village called Who? Oh. <laughs> near Strood, Kent. And England. she's been running a children's riding school. Oh. And she became Roman Catholic as an adult. And she's expressed strong remorse for having killed her mother and uh, in the past has refused to give interviews about her murder. Like for a long time, she wouldn't give interviews about about any of about this. the murder, but and that I makes guess sense. she must have eventually, and that might be somewhere online if anybody wants to read. So it sounds like they both it. definitely regret this and like turn to religion oh, yeah. to like cope. Well, yeah, if you're a normal person, you yeah. don't feel good about murdering your mother. No, and no, usually <laughs> not. And it does sound like it just became like they just got so lost in this fantasy world with each other that they just and they were teens and they just were not thinking about this as yeah. like in. Any context of reality whatsoever. Nope. No. It's, uh, it's that's weird. Depressing. Yeah, that's a lot. That's crazy. Yeah, at first, like, when I first heard the story, yeah. I didn't remember it properly. So I had thought, like, that it had been Anne Perry's mother that they'd killed. And then I'm right. like, how do you even sit down to, like, write a novel well, having that guilt, lot. right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I just don't think I could even continue with life if I killed I'm... my mother. I couldn't. I definitely couldn't. But I would never have the idea to to begin to with. To do it, yeah. I, I don't know. Mom is fantastic and I love her. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it never occurred to me, even in my, like, angriest moments with her, even as, like, a teen. No. Or even as a kid. Like, never. No. Nope. Like, okay. yikes. Your All right, turn. so I've got interesting case too and like we kind of made the theme for this episode like obsession so i've got like a stalking and kidnapping yes and there is a murder um yay yeah it's it's got it all folks i'm excited yeah all right so the stalking of mary stoffer and the death of jason wilkman so here's a little brief summary mary stoffer was a ninth grade algebra teacher and missionary who was kidnapped when she was 36 years old along with her daughter elizabeth beth Stoffer, after a student of Mary's named Ming Sen Xiu came to develop an all-consuming obsession with his teacher. So, about the kidnapping. In his teen years, uh, Ming Sen Xiu was reportedly engaged in criminal activities such as throwing rocks at vehicles, but also starting fires in the apartments of three strangers. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, he had two, two But also there. throwing rocks? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. When I looked this up, it was actually worded vice versa. And I was like, Oh. He started fire, but he also threw rocks. Oh my god. And I was like, okay, yeah. I'm gonna reverse the order of that. Because that, that seems like yeah. escalation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so woof. Um, for his role in the arson cases, he was ordered to participate in psychotherapy at the age of 14. According to his mother's testimony, Xu often lied but was persistent about being right, was uncontrollable as a child, and took no responsibility for his physical behavior, thus causing her to be afraid, right? Fearful. He'd been born on October 15th, 1950 in Taiwan. When he was eight years old, though, he moved to Minnesota with his mother and two siblings. His father, who'd been a professor at the University of Minnesota, died three years later, so probably around the time that, like, Xu was 11. 11 years old. 
And Xu was described as violent toward his younger siblings, often beating them during both adolescence and adulthood. So this didn't get better. His mother also described him as someone having no, quote, feelings like a dog. Oh. And I... I get what she meant, like, what was meant by the statement. But I couldn't help but thinking that, like, most dogs don't light people's homes on fire. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> people are just, people are scary when, like, as a society, we just, like, can't figure out how to rehabilitate them, you know? Because yeah. they tried, and obviously that didn't work out. So, yeah, um, from 1965 to 1966, she attended Alexander Ramsey High School in Roseville, Minnesota. 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 I'm sorry, Minnesota. You didn't deserve that, but you got it. <laughs> so, and yeah, so he studied high school there, uh, where he came to have a crush on his teacher, Mary Stoffer. He later admitted during legal, uh, legal proceedings. Legal proceedings. I can't speak either. It's I like fine. it. Legal. You're not getting the Razzie, though. It's mine. Well, we're just going to have to cut it in half, because I... I'm taking something with me. <laughs> but yeah, he later admitted during legal proceedings that due to his, like, infatuation, she began sexually fantasizing about the teacher. And he later wrote stories about his fantasies, first using fictional characters from movies, but eventually writing them uh, featuring Stoffer, right? Mm-hmm. Stories which included consensual sex, but also rape and gang rape, too. So, in my opinion, like, he didn't understand and or didn't care about, like, the line between those things, like, consensual versus non-consensual. Yeah. Like, it sounds like to him, like, sex was sex and violence just may or may not be a part of it, maybe. Like, he just didn't draw any distinction or something. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, it's weird. But regardless, in later years, once he realized that he did not find complete satisfaction from his fantasies, Xu decided to kidnap Stoffer. In 1975, she located what he erroneously believed to be Stoffer's residence in Duluth, Minnesota. Duluth. Our mom lived hey. there once. Yeah. yeah. So, and probably in the 70s, actually. Probably. Actually, a little earlier, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Scary. Maybe. What's going on, Duluth? He broke into the house with a firearm intending to kidnap Mary, who did not actually live there. Her in-laws, however, who owned the house and did live there, were forced to the ground tied up, and threatened with death if they ever reported the crime. Because of this, the home invasion was not reported until the actual kidnapping of Stoffer took place five years later. Oh my god. Yeah, because they were terrified of this man. I get it, but yikes. They still should have said something. Yeah. As Xu continued his search for Stoffer during this time period, Stoffer was living with a family in the Philippines where she and her husband worked as Christian missionaries. They returned to Minnesota in 1979. Okay. So, here we go. Here we go indeed, yes. (laughs) So, the stalking and murder. A year later, she learned that Stoffer lived at the Bethel University campus and began to stalk her. His stalking continued until May 16, 1980, when she tracked Stoffer down at a beauty salon in Roseville. When Stoffer left the salon, she kidnapped her and her eight-year-old daughter Elizabeth, Stoffer at gunpoint. He tied them up and threw them into the trunk of Stoffer's vehicle. During the trip to his house, uh, where he intended to keep his victims hostage, Shu stopped the vehicle twice because Mary and Beth were making noises, which they were praying, according to, like, some of their own reports. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Shu stopped her the second time, a six-year-old boy, Jason Wilkman, approached the vehicle to see, like, 
what this guy was up to, what, what was going what on, was right? The noises, yeah. Yeah, what was happening. So she grabbed the boy and forced him into the trunk with Mary and Elizabeth. He then drove to and pulled over by the isolated Carlos Avery Wildlife Refuge in Anoka County, removed Jason Wilkman from the trunk, and beat him to death oh, with a metal rod. A little six-year-old. Yeah, and he was just trying to see what was happening and help out, right? Yeah. Um, here are some quotes from abcnews.go.com made by Mary Stoffer and Beth Stoffer about their experiences regarding Jason and, like, the three of them when they were trapped in the trunk of Mary's own car. Yeah. So, uh, quote, I could hear whimpering, Mary said. There was a little movement, and I thought, this is a child. We found out his name was Jason. He was six years old. And from Beth Stoffer, quote, I think he, Jason, said first... I'm supposed to visit my grandpa and grandma tomorrow. And, quote, we just talked about being scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is depressing. And yeah. here's, a, here's a haunting quote, too, from Mary. Uh, quote, fear was, was at a very high level at that point. Then the car came to a stop, and the trunk lid was opened, and Jason was removed from the trunk, and then the trunk lid was closed, and then all was quiet. Yeah. Okay. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, this poor kid. Um, so, violence and rape, so, warnings for that, guys. Um, (laughs) yeah, so, she drove Stoffer and Elizabeth to his house and locked them in a narrow closet. He then proceeded to take Stoffer out of the closet, uh, Mary, and tied her to the furniture. She talked to her for hours on the night of kidnapping, disclosing who he was, because she probably had no idea this was a former student, right, before he repeatedly raped her. He recorded the conversations and rapes on his video camera. When she told Stoffer he was her student 15 years prior, he indicated that she had given him a B grade in algebra, which prevented him from going to college. That sounds unlikely. Yeah. He said as a result he was drafted into the Vietnam War and became a prisoner of war, and this was, like many of his claims, not true. Yeah. Yeah. That didn't happen. While kept at his house, the victims were often separated by Xu. He placed Elizabeth in a box in his van for eight hours while he was at oh my work. God. Yeah, while her mother was left locked in a closet at his residence. Furthermore, she told Stoffer he would kill her husband and son if she and Beth ever tried to escape. Yeah. So, the escape. <laughs> um, on July 7th, 1980, after she left for work, Stoffer managed to remove the hinge pin from the locked closet door. Despite being chained to each other, Mary and Elizabeth were able to reach the phone in the kitchen and call law enforcement. After making the call, they hid behind the car at Shu's residence until police arrived. So both were immediately freed after seven weeks of imprisonment. So, like, this was, like, nearly two months. Yeah. Shu was arrested at his business on the same day. He was taken to Ramsey County Adult Detention Center, and while in jail, he offered $50,000 to another inmate, Richard Green, to kill Stoffer and her daughter to prevent them from testifying against him in court and to help him escape from jail. Green communicated the the information to the FBI. Mm -hmm. So, good job there, Green. Mm -hmm. Um, She underwent two trials. The first trial took place in 1980 and concerned the abduction of Mary and Beth Stauffer and the rape of Mary. He was found guilty and sentenced to 30 years in jail for those things. Okay. Mm -hmm. But his second trial, and this, the knife in the courtroom, 
Okay. Yeah, so you know what to expect, guys. So (laughs) his second trial began in 1981. During the trial, she smuggled a knife into the courtroom, and when Mary Stauffer testified, he jumped over the table and attacked her, managing to slice her face. And it took 62 stitches. Yeah, it took 62 stitches to close that wound. Um, At the same time, she promised to kill her and her daughter when he was released from prison. Uh, Psychological evaluations of the defendant showed no signs of mental illness. Right. So he's just like this. Yeah, he's just, well, I don't think it was mental illness with him. I think he's just just a a bad person. Yeah. Yeah, and people haven't figured out why killers are like this yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, When the second trial ended, she was sentenced to 40 years for the murder charge to be served concurrently with his previous 30-year sentence. He was later declared eligible for parole on July 6, 2010. Fortunately, on September 28, 2010, the Anoka District County Judge um, Jenny Walker Jasper ruled she would not be released and would spend the rest of his life in prison as he still appeared a threat to society. Yeah. So good, Jenny. Good good choice. He just would have gone after Mary again. Yeah, he absolutely would have. Of course he was still because dangerous. He's clearly obsessed and... And not remorseful. He's held and... this obsession for decades. Yeah. So. Like he's still... He's Yeah, he's still yeah. obsessed. Like mm-hmm. he knifed her in the courtroom... Yeah, at that point, he's clearly not trying to stop her from testifying. He's just lashing out. Yeah, he's just crazy obsessed. Like, Mm -hmm. like, seriously, that's terrifying to me. Hmm. But he's in jail forever. Yeah. He's in jail forever, and they got away. Yeah. And they've been living a good life. Yeah. Yeah. I watched a little video for them making a statement on it um, from like 2010, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're like, we've had a great past 30 years we've just been you know doing our thing and god has protected us because they're very religious and yeah yeah yeah. good so yeah he didn't get them that poor six-year-old boy though he was just like caught in the crossfire Crossfire. yeah oh my god yeah well yeah that one that's a bummer yeah well i wanted to put his name in the title because i was like he deserves to at least be named and not just be like six-year-old boy yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, and I'm sure his family have a lot to say about this, too. And mm-hmm. I would, I'll be looking that up as well. But, yeah. You so. guys should email us. You guys should email us and tell us about all the Razzies you've won for not being able to talk. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly what we want to hear. Yeah. That is perfect well, if you content can, for a horror podcast. It is. But if you can add on, like, what happens when you drink water... <laughs> that would be good too. That too, because that's really fascinating. I want to know. I want to uh, know all the all the ins and outs of your digestive processes. Yes, yeah. please. Yeah, it's two scared siblings at gmail dot com. Yeah, and we're two scared siblings everywhere except for Twitter, where we're two scared sibs. And we have a Patreon, patreon.com yes. slash two scared siblings. Yeah, if you want some bonus content, we just do like short little um, episodes. episodes once a month. Yeah, and we'll be getting merch up, and you probably get free merch with higher tiers once we get to that point. Yeah. But, yeah, you also get a special shout-out, your name in the credits, even for just $1. So if you want to help us, like, keep doing this, you should go visit that. Yes. Yeah, do that. All right. Yeah, and we have personal Twitters as well. We do. I'm Andrea Noel 3 And I'm at Toy Carousels. Yes. Yes, so hit us up. Uh, Yeah, email us. And now's the part where we kiss you. Mwah. Bye. I won't do my creepy thing this time. Why not? Because it's gotta get old at some point, right? They're probably just like, I'm not even about to sleep. Oh.